Hey, he's Jake, and I'm Matt. And welcome to Pat's Chat, the UK's best New England Patriots podcast. How's it going? And welcome to another episode of Pat's Chat with me, Matt Inkstar. I know Jake's not here this time. Jake couldn't join this week, so I drafted in two very special guests to look ahead to Sunday as the New England Patriots take on the San Francisco 49ers. So settle down, listen in, and let's check out what they had to say. Joining me now is a man who loves to talk sport for a living. We're not here to chat any old sport, though. We're going to chat football, of course, with probably a sprinkling of wrestling, no doubt. As the <laughs> host of the show, talk sport host in his own right, and you'll also hear him on a Sunday night with Nat and the boys with their unique Red Zone-style coverage over on Talk Sport 2. It's Will Gavin. How are you, Will? I'm very well, sir. I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Um, just working scrounging whatever it might be that get some pennies in the door <laughs> yeah i know that feeling i know that feeling uh, people can't see the video but i love that we're chatting in your van whilst i'm set up at home basically looking like a hobo because uh tuesdays wednesdays are like my weekend and so i am in literally pajamas and a 49ers hoodie i uh, am a disgrace i like it i like your style i wish i was in well not a 49ers hoodie obviously but my pajamas would be a good start uh yeah it's a it's a strong look and i'm uh, rocking it as well as i can excellent no i think you're you're doing good you're doing good man so with um before we get into serious stuff of the football chats um i mentioned there at the top about wrestling and for anyone that doesn't know myself and will are huge wrestling fans and you've maybe covered the product a bit more in recent weeks than i have i've kind of fallen off the bandwagon a bit but how are you finding it uh, look, i think that all around, whether AEW, WWE, whether uh, Ring of Honor's comeback recently, Impact, like the way that these companies have managed to react to the restrictions of not having a crowd when wrestling is, I mean, it's, there's no shame in saying that it's theatrical. There's no shame in saying that, like, don't like, you go, oh, it's fake, you know, clearly don't have an understanding of why we're wrestling fans and why we enjoy what we do. So I think that a huge number of those people have done an astonishing job with how well uh, they've managed to put everything together. And so I um, I think overall, I think the product's really good. There are obviously, particularly with WWE, things that, you know, the same old gripes about long-term storytelling, etc. But actually, right now you've got, the Roman Reigns stuff, which I think is coming off absolutely brilliantly. Uh, Drew McIntyre is absolutely killing it uh, as both a Brit and as a, as a champion. So, look, there's a lot to be positive about, about the, the quality of the wrestling we're getting. And actually, I think the NXT UK return has been really good as well. So, overall, as someone who can bury people quite regularly on our show, I'm feeling like a good 80% positive, which is as, as high as it's probably been in the last few years. Yeah, it's uh, I've, as I say, I've not followed it that closely lately, apart from the the Instagram and Twitter feeds and and whatever than the social media 
universe, so to speak. But, you know, it seems to be doing well. And the one I'm really intrigued, which is making me want to go and watch it again, is the current The Fiend and Alexa Bliss mm-hmm. angle. Um, that seems like it's it's taken off and anything that she touches it just seems to turn to gold in my opinion yeah i still think they're not really 100 percent sure what to do with the fiend but i think moving bray wyatt to raw where there is a bigger roster more time you don't have feel the need to have him constantly involved in the in the title picture necessarily gives him a bit more to do gives gives the character a bit more like I think in the longer term, they have to establish it as like a new Undertaker, essentially, i.e. that it's going to be, that they are going to be beatable, but there's that supernatural element to it. And I think Alexa Bliss adds something because she's so charismatic and such a great talker that she would kind of add anything to anyone, but that kind of character, it means you don't have to hear Bray Wyatt speak as the fiend. And that's a good thing, I think. It's a good idea. It's not coming off yet, but I don't want to judge it before they've got to hopefully an end point. I think that's always the biggest problem with WWE, though. Do they know what the end point is uh, right now? I'm not 100% sure. No, I don't, I don't think they do themselves. And quite a lot of time, that is a big gripe, as you say, that the end point is maybe one thing and then it becomes another thing, then it becomes another thing. And, and sometimes you do have to be fast-paced in their industry and environment but at the end the end product itself just ends up being a bit muddled and confusing Mm. for us as fans and yeah um as you say she's a great talker and i actually listened to her her, um podcast this morning her first episode with the miz and it was quite good actually if you've not listened to it yet I haven't yet. I, I have every intention of doing so at some point. But, uh, yeah, I have spent most of the last uh, day watching that games from the weekend, doing the Gridiron show and lazing around quite a lot. So it's been a nice couple of days. Well, speaking of the Gridiron show, it's um, it's a good change of pace for this season. But I'm guessing after listening to last week that um, Ollie's nose is out of joint a little bit, is it? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I look. <laughs> it's it, we're we're uh, we're rotating people around. It's the problem is is it's you know I I know from speaking to guys who do other podcasts and you know seeing iTunes stuff that you know we're we're a well listened to show for a UK NFL podcast, but there's not really been much growth over the last couple of years. There's not been a, a move in any particular direction. So we figured it just needed a bit of a refreshing, a bit of a change up of style. And so we're, we're trying something new. I think it's working. I mean, I like what we do and I think that's all I can really ask for. I think I would listen to it if I wasn't on it. That's not saying don't listen to it because I'm on it, but you know, I, I I'm saying that I would, yeah, I think I would definitely give it a go. So I, um, if people don't listen to it already, we have got in Matthew Sherry as well, the the founder of Gridiron, one of the biggest Patriots apologists you'll ever meet in your life. So if Patriots fans are listening to your show, trust me, they will enjoy our show. Partic- I mean, this week's episode, we start off by talking Patriots and we finish off by talking Patriots. So um, it's worth a listen for that alone. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I'm still, I don't want to harass the guy, but Matthew Sherry, if you're listening, I want you on this podcast at some some point. <laughs> He is um, right now. He is one of the busiest men in the world because he's taken a step back from editing the magazine itself and moved to the kind of overall business, which the the company that owns Gridiron d- d- has the Blizzard and has the Good, the Bad, and the Rugby and a bunch of other stuff under their um, auspices as well. So he's stupidly busy at the moment. Uh, but 
at some point, you should be able to nail him down. If you, if you tell him you want to talk about the Patriots for half an hour, 45 minutes, he's not going to say no. Um, I've tried, and he's probably just missed it. But as you say, he is very busy. And of course, he's he's got the book that's come out that he needs to promote as well. So um, that makes him even more busy than he actually is. <laughs> if people haven't checked it out, by the way, it is genuinely very good. I don't like to admit it, but it is excellent. Shh, shh, don't say that too loud, Well. Right. <laughs> So talking about Patriots, and of course we, I wouldn't have, um, wouldn't be speaking to you if we weren't going to chat 49ers as well, because we've obviously got that matchup coming over the weekend. But if we look back for a second, and we'll um, look at your 49ers first, it's been a bit of an indifferent season. You're sitting three and three, bottom of the division. Is it down to the injuries that have occurred this year, or do you think there's something else that's going on? I think the injuries are a huge part of it and it's very difficult to adjust and change, particularly when you've got less practice time. And I'm not, I don't want to sit here and, and make excuses, you know, decisions were made on say, for example, I mean, someone, Simon joked on the podcast the other day that the only all pro uh, 49er in the league right now is currently playing for the Indianapolis Colts. So, you know, letting DeForest Buckner go out the door, it was certainly tough. Um, But, the problem is, is that the injuries have come in the areas where we lack depth and are the weakest. And so when you have injuries on top of that, it is tough. Um, I, I still, you know, I think you want to, you watch back the Rams game and you realize that the combination of both having players back. So having Emmanuel Mosley back in the backfield and having player like Jason Verrett really step up at corner and having a really good season so far. I know he's allowing the lowest passer rating of any corner in the NFL right now. Um, the those additions back into the roster are going to make a big difference in addition to trying to finally get the defensive line going with a bunch of off the street guys like Kerry Hyder, like Dion Jordan, like guys off the edge who probably might not have a job if it wasn't for our injuries, but are doing a, a sterling job. There is a, a mental side to what's happening as well, I think. And, you know, Garoppolo, it is always going to be an up and down quarterback. I think I, I do think that the dolphins, you saw it against the Rams that once he was more comfortable on the ankle, it's clear that he was rushed in too quickly against the dolphins and that got us into a hole. And I don't think we're a team that because of the run game, once we're in a hole are necessarily going to be able to chase games unless we've got all our top guys out there. Um, But I'm feeling better, much, much better about the 49ers after Sunday night than I was, say, last week when I was in a pretty deep, dark hole myself. I can imagine you. The curtains were shut. The lights were off. The duvet was <laughs> over your head. Uh, it was a bit of a sorry state against the Dolphins, but a bit surprising at the same time because they, you know, they, they're going to be an indifferent team this year as well, I think. But... Fair play to Fitzmagic. He he balled out in that game and it was unfortunate for yourself that it was against your team, I guess. Look, I think I don't think the Dolphins are a bad team. Uh, yeah, you have to remember they went five and four down the final nine games last season after everyone thought they were tanking because they were playing so badly. I think Brian Flores is a really good coach and I think they've got a really exciting young talented team. Like the the um the cornerbacks now that they've got Byron Jones back as well, him and Xavier Howard, I think are a really, really good pairing. They were in the game with the Seahawks. They were in the game with the Bills and probably unlucky not to win it. The Patriots was probably their worst performance of the season going into the year. But actually, 
Like, they played well against us. They played well against the Jags. Everyone can beat the Jets right now. So I actually think this game with the Rams for them this weekend is a really interesting one because of the Rams playing so poorly against the 49ers uh, in two weeks, sorry. Plus, you've then got Tua coming back in, which the timing for that feels perfect to me. The Dolphins might be 8-8 eight and eight this year, but what an improvement that would be on where they've been. And then they've got four picks in the first two rounds next year. So I, I, I have to say, and maybe I'm saying it as an apologist because they beat the 49ers, but I think the Dolphins are better than people think they are. Like, they are a mid-tier NFL side right now, which is amazing considering where they were 16 months ago. I totally agree with you, Will, because we're, myself and Jake, we actually talked about it in our review pod at the start of the week after the Broncos game. And, you know, anything... Is for I think Dolphins fans are looking for progress this year, and they're certainly getting that. And as you say, they've been in games without actually winning them. And I actually said to Jake, I says, "Well, I think the Patriots were probably lucky that we got them first game of the season because there was no preseason renting to go on before that. And looking at what they're doing now, we were probably quite lucky. And if it had been we were playing them now instead of we a few weeks ago." we might actually be in the same position as we was against the Broncos at the weekend and come away with the loss instead of the win. So, no, I totally agree with you. I think they're a team to look out for, um, certainly going forward in the future as well. And I was almost right. I said that they'd pro- Fitzpatrick and Tua would probably get eight games apiece and um, almost right, but I'll I, take I, it. I think they had an eye on the bye week. I think they probably always did um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there. I think you always look at it and go, well, it depends on the situation. Maybe if they're 6-0, and they don't make this decision. Maybe if they're 0-6, they don't make this decision because they don't want to put a, a rookie in a very difficult situation. But it feels like they're kind of in the perfect spot for it. And actually, all the team building they've done over the last two years, you feel like everything has been at least a beneficial decision. Yeah, it may not be perfect, but everything has kind of moved them in the right direction. It's whether they can make those final big steps up from being a borderline playoff team, which I think they might be this year to being, you know, an out and out contender, which, you know, people forget with the NFL, you trying to win the Super Bowl. You're not just trying to be a bit better than you were last year. And I do think that sometimes people kind of forget that fact when they look at teams that are around eight wins You've got to be doing things to make big differences to go out there and turn yourself into contenders. And sometimes that means you have to make tough decisions. And I think the Dolphins have done that well. I didn't yeah, know I we'd come on so. here and talk about the Dolphins for five minutes, but there we go. Neither <laughs> <laughs> die, to be honest. But yeah, I was just going to say, it's circling back to you, 49ers. Um, look at what happened to you guys over the last two seasons. You had a poor record the year before, and then at the, in February this year, you're you're playing a Super Bowl. So it can happen to anyone, um, any time. And I think that's the the great thing about the NFL, and that's why we love it. Um, generally speaking, and how was it that you got into the NFL and um, became a, such a big fan? I, I watched the occasional game as a teenager, obviously, you know, the classic watching a Super Bowl because you're a fan of sport and it's a big event and you give it a go kind of thing. Um, uh, and my dad worked in uh, San Francisco for maybe three months out of, out of the year. And so we went out and spent some time visiting with him and, and I would watch games out there, which would be a very different experience, even if just watching them on TV, seeing the American coverage. And yeah, I just kind of fell in love with it that way. And that's how I came to following the 49ers in particular. Um, and then when I was at 
university i nearly said college because we're talking about football uh, <laughs> <laughs> when i was at university it really became entrenched because i met and hung out with some guys who were also really into it one of whom was uh, james dixon who i ended up starting the first iteration of the podcast with uh, another one uh, my buddy adam who's a rams fan who we were going to watch the game together on sunday night and when tier two came in here in london we you know watched the whole game together on zoom so uh, like once you have buddies that are into it as well, and you're at university, you find yourself watching it week in, week out. And when I decided that kind of I wanted to go down the sports route with radio rather than anything else, it, yeah, it became clear that it was something that I was going to get into and try and cover. And I've been lucky enough to be able to do that professionally as well as still enjoying it as a fan. Mm, and uh, so speaking about Zoom or um, and Skype and other other forms of video calling uh, myself and my friend Stephen he's uh, used to stay up here in Aberdeen but he's moved down to Nottingham recently and we do that almost every Sunday we stick on red zone and um, chat nonsense for hours until the back of midnight and decide now we actually need to go to our bed at some point because we've got work in the morning so I, I totally get what you you mean with that because it's uh, sometimes it's just what you what you have to do when this whole um, COVID situations on the go and it's a, it's a good way of keeping in touch really as we found over the months especially when we were in a, a proper lockdown in March and April and that sort of time and yeah the, I think I'm I'm speaking for yourself as well uh, maybe mm-hmm. uh, but we've all um, we're all using sport as an escapism in these times and it's yeah. it's it's perfect it's great that it's back and myself and Jake have spoken about it that you know not only as an escapism for us as fans but even like you're a perfect example Will that you know you rely on sport to it's your job it's what you need and I've spoken to other guys who are journalists and broadcasters and things and without it like what are you going to do like it's we need it and I don't think I don't don't dare think (laughs) it terrifies me to think what I'd do if I I didn't have sport (laughs) I think I think it's I think it's under underplayed and underestimated how much certain people need it. Whether it's yourself in the industry or myself, just the actually for three hours on a Sunday, forget about what's going on outside your house, really, don't you? Yeah, and and the thing is, and I, we there was kind of a running joke amongst my group of friends when um, when we were in like the height of lockdown. So my wife is a teacher; she teaches. Um, Uh, special needs children and so you know that's a genuinely vital job particularly at a time like this and obviously she was a key worker it meant she was still going into work but there was kind of an on-running joke because um, journalists were key workers and continued throughout the pandemic initially we were going into the office and then we were doing it from home in the kind of setup you see me in now and you know there was a kind of joke that me and my wife were both key workers but could there have been like a bigger disparity between how key we actually are but I do like particularly I was doing the overnight show still at that point on talk sport and it's amazing how important it was to some people and I don't want to sound pious and I don't want to sound like you know what we do is really important but at a time when people were really at their low and were really struggling, there was a service being provided there where you could be, you know, a, a friend that they could listen to, that they could interact with, that, you know, talking about something that, that allowed them to escape the kind of COVID bubble, as it were. And I think that's why when sport came back, it was so important to people as well. Now, I'd love to see fans back in the stadiums. I think it's astonishing that, that we can still have people in cinemas 
and we just have people in theatres, but we can't have the same number of people in a lot more space in open air. It's amazing that the government have made that particular decision. And I think when fans are back, it will be absolutely huge for sport and, and certainly monetarily, but also for the fans themselves. It has really reasserted to me how important sport is in people's lives the last eight, nine months and how actually it's a worthwhile job bringing sport to people as widely as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I must say, the hats off to yourself and your colleagues and anyone that has been working in uh, radio and TV at the t- over this period, because um, just what you're describing there, exactly how I felt at the height of lockdown, I was tuning in um, either to Talk Sport or um, BBC Scotland up here or other shows. And I, just, I said to the wife, I just turned to her one day and says, this is amazing that generally speaking, probably 99% of you were all at home. And you all were able to muck in and muddle through and produce content that wasn't just, you know, also ran content that was picked up off the floor. It was proper actual content that was being produced and it was brilliant to listen to. I actually think that, and and again, we're no heroes, but I actually think that Talk Sport in particular, there were shows who, when it's the Premier League season, you can fall into such a rhythm of reviewing games, previewing games, talking about the sport, doing the manager stuff, doing that. Like, and in a week of shows, you could take any one week and transfer it to another and change the names out. And it's almost the same thing. Actually, it forced people to be a lot more creative. And we did some of our best work, I thought. Like, yeah, as a total year of broadcasting, I think this is in the conversation for the best the TalkSport's done certainly in the seven or eight years since I've been working with them because people were forced to do something more, do something different. And actually, I think it's I think it's worked really well. Yeah, I think so. I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, flipping it back to, to football chat as well, There, there's fans in some stadiums in the NFL, fans in, and not in other stadiums in the NFL. I've found it a bit... I know every state's almost like a little country in itself, mm-hmm. but I found it a bit indifferent that, you know, and a bit unfair in places that you can get fans. And I mean, you've seen that and not that it would have mattered because it was the Jets anyway, but you know, the, when Tua came in, it was brilliant and so good to, to hear the fans. And then you saw it, then the camera turned to uh, Fitzmagic on the sidelines and hyping them up and stuff. But and I think we're sorely missing that um, in other stadiums at the moment. But looking at the the game on Sunday, um, where do you see your your strengths and weaknesses possibly being as the 49ers coming up against the Patriots? The Patriots are such a difficult team to to pick right now. Like it just in general. I mean, two and three. It's the the latest in the season they've had a losing record since what 2002. And okay, the early bye week, the enforced early bye week is is part of that, but. Yeah, you watched that game against the Broncos last week and some of the stuff that they were doing so well, particularly in the run game at home in the first two performances, just absolutely disappeared. I thought Cam Newton had a bad game and you couldn't say that over the first three or four of the season necessarily. I think that when it comes to the matchups, the the, situ- the situation with the pass catchers in New England is a problem and we right now have great coverage linebackers and we have finally got our corners back and healthy. So that's fantastic. That's great for us. I think that it's going to require, and I think the strongest position on the 49ers defense right now is actually linebacker as much as the defensive line has had a lot of depth. 
the lack of immediate pass rush with Nick Bosa out with uh, Solomon Thomas out means that, you know, getting to the quarterback has been a problem, but I think they can contain Cam Newton quite well. And you've got Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who I think are in the conversation for the best linebacker pairing in the league right now. There are, I, I think Fred Warner's like an all pro level linebacker and probably the best player on our defense right now. And so he has a job on Sunday and that job is making sure that Cam Newton can't do very Cam Newton things. But with all of that said, you didn't train for two weeks. Like, how are you meant to be good when you didn't practice for two weeks? So it might just be a blip because they had to come back together with a guy who was, you know, not well because of COVID and away from the practice squad and not having played together for two weeks. So that is rough. Um, the run game is is huge for the 49ers, of course. I think that's stating the obvious for anyone that watched their playoff run last year. And the the... I think, again, it's very difficult to predict based on last weekend because what you had was the Patriots coming off the back of uh, of the two weeks off. But you also had the 49ers facing a Rams side that they play twice a year and know so well. The game plan that Kyle Shanahan put together for the offense last weekend was nothing short of genius. I thought it was the way he nullified Aaron Donald, the way he nullified that entire defensive line. The fact that Jimmy Garoppolo rarely had the ball in his hands for more than two seconds for the entire game. You know, when you've got zero sacks and only two quarterback hits in the game, when you've got the best defensive lineman in football, that's an amazing thing to put together when the middle of our line has been such a problem. I, the, my problem is, is that if you find a way to force Garoppolo to hold on to the ball and throw it, the Patriots secondary is brilliant. Like, it's ridiculously good. And the red zone defense is ridiculously good. And so... I don't want to see a game where, like the Broncos, we're having to settle for field goals. And even if we've got a lead, I'll never feel comfortable with it. It's going to be a tense, painful three or four hours of football, I feel like. Um, I saw in, I, I saw enough positivity last weekend to be positive going into this weekend. And the 49ers schedule, everyone has difficult schedules. And the, you know... Obviously, when you go to the Super Bowl, you finish first in your division. You're going to play all the first place in the division last year. But based on records up to this point, we do have the toughest run in of any team. And our next six, uh, Patriots and Seahawks on the road, then Packers, Saints on the road, Rams on the road, Bills at home. Like, I mean, if we go three and three through those and we come out six and six out of the the other side of our first 12 games, I might actually be happy with that, even though you shouldn't be saying that off the back of a Super Bowl season. So I feel more positive going into Sunday than I think I have done about than I think I did four or five days ago. I was fearing the Patriots game. But Bill Belichick's a genius, man. Like he <laughs> singling out George Kittle in the press with his first press conference. He did that to Darren Waller two weeks ago, uh, three weeks uh -huh. ago. And Darren Waller had like, what, two catches for 13 yards, something like that. It was his worst game of the season after Bill Belichick turned around and said he's the best player on the field. I think George Kittle is a better player than Darren Waller overall. But if somebody knows how to scheme him out of the game, then it's Bill Belichick. Mm. He seems to have a good record against tight ends generally. And generally, the... the especially the better ones in the league. And um, I remember, I can't remember how long ago it was, but I remember you put out um, a tweet on, you know, can, who's better, Kettle or Kelsey? And I wholeheartedly agree with yourself that Kettle is the better tight end. And it's not just 
as a tight end, as you know, it's not just about the pass catching, it's the blocking, it's everything incumbent that comes with it. And um, whereas you have got one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, the best tight end in the league, our tight ends are non-existent. <laughs> um, yeah, now and don't put down Ryan Izzo like this. This feels incredibly harsh. <laughs> it's not just it. It's that, like, I think it was 25 snaps that Asi Asi had on um, Sunday. And he wasn't even looked at once, I think. And, you know, you've taken him at a decent position, um, the same as Dalton Keane, but although I still think that at some point Dalton Keane might become more of a fullback than a tight end. But certainly Devin Asiasi is someone that they're looking to mould and possibly the next Gronk, if you will. And they're not even looking at him just now. And it's a, bit, it's a big concern of mine going into this week and the weeks ahead anyway. It's a big concern with Kettle because as you say Kettle's a different beast to Waller and he's a big a, a, a brilliant tight end and yeah I'm fearing him and the run game is just that any team at any given week can seem to run against the, the Patriots now Kyle Shanahan um, run game as you mentioned uh, the back end of last season in the playoff run and then even this year I mean who was Jarrett McKinnon three four months ago nobody really cared who he was he was he was a, a has-been that it was on a big contract and then all of a sudden he's he's back in the fold and he's picking up yards left right and center and you kind of need him just now obviously um it seems that as we're talking that most starts going to ir i think isn't he mm-hmm. yeah he's going to ir with a brain but i mean then you got the and uh you I know that, you know, when you talk about your own team, you can t- people can tend to be hyperbolic. But it does kind of astonish me when, I mean, I, I don't know if you, um, uh, Jermichael Hasty had nine carries for 37 yards against yeah. the Rams when they were very much defending the run. Uh, you know, an undrafted guy out of Baylor. And Bobby Turner, who's the, um, the 49ers running backs coach, who was... Uh, Shanahan's running back coach in uh, Denver and before that in Washington and after that as well he's been uh, Mike Shanahan's I mean running back coach you know this is a guy who turned that Broncos team who looked like they might never win a Super Bowl for John and ended up going and winning two off the back of the run game like in terms of turning zone runners into absolute superstars, Bobby Turner is the king of it. And so it always feels like there is somebody ready to step up. Like Jeff Wilson Jr., he is a tiny man, and yet somehow we've turned him into a goal line back. I don't understand it. I genuinely watch it sometimes. And there was um, the uh, the Brandon Ayuk touchdown for on the end around that they had in week two or week three. Uh, no, yeah, it was week two against the Giants. His, it was the opening touchdown. Um, and they recreated it with Debo Samuel this week. But what astonishes me about it is that when they, you see other teams run an end around, and there was a touchdown in the, um, uh, there was a touchdown, an end around touchdown in the Chiefs Spills game on Monday night, where they run the end end around, and the two guys who are blocking up field when he comes around are the tight end and the wide receiver. That's what you'd expect. The oh. way that. Carl Shanahan does it is that the right tackle and right guard pull off the line to block the left hand side, which means the whole line shifts across and everyone thinks that they're going to side of the line or go bootleg play action instead they come on the end around and by the time he's blocking up field, the people that are there, there were three guys out there and it was the left guard, the center and the fullback who were blocking for him at the goal line 
15 yards upfield on a play that hasn't taken that long to develop. And you're just looking at it going, what is this wizardry? Like, how have you managed to make those human beings don't feel like they should be able to move like that way. So I, I absolutely love it. I love watching it. I love creativity in the run game is so exciting to me as much as a big bomb downfield. Wouldn't we all love to have, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill combined for 60, 70 yards for our team on one catch every single week. Like the chiefs get to see, I it's nothing I enjoy more than that. And it's why I always think we'll be in games this season even with the injury problems we've had, uh, I'd be amazed if we go back to the Super Bowl again. It would take a lot, but if we go back to the playoffs, I wouldn't be that stunned because the NFC looks weaker this year and there are seven teams going. Whereas the AFC, you could pick 10, 11 teams right now who are probably feeling themselves as a Super Bowl, as a as a possible playoff team, including teams like the Broncos and the Dolphins who have been good enough to think, ah, with a seventh seed this year, maybe, just maybe. So... Yeah, like I say, I'm positive. I'm feeling good about the world, Matt. Just <laughs> well, you need you need to feel good in times like this. And, I, uh... I may crash again by Monday. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> well, fingers crossed you do for for our point of view. Um, <laughs> but for yourself, um, you know, don't don't crash too hard because uh, I don't, I wouldn't like to see that for you. That, that's a that would be a bit of a pain, really. <laughs> but be, looking at Sunday. Uh, realistically how do you see it going and then looking ahead as you were saying if you go six and uh, six and six for through 12 games you'd be probably more than happy with that do you is there anywhere apart from you know the obvious injuries and things that have occurred is there anywhere that with the, the roster and the team that you've got right now that you would pinpoint and say that could be better in a way you know like uh, as you mentioned oh. earlier um, and if you don't if you don't agree with it, then you, you're just stupid, to be honest. But because Cam did have a, a bad game, and so to me, going into Sunday, I want to see a improve Cam, get the ball out quicker, stop holding it on to so long. Um, you know, is there anything like that you think that you could pinpoint that might give you a little bit of an edge against the Patriots on Sunday? A little bit of an edge, or a little bit of a uh, well, the opposite. Um, <laughs> I like. I think for me, the concern is um, that the like the pass rush is a problem and it will continue to be a problem all season, most likely, as much as you go, we can keep going out and finding Ziggy answers and Dion Jordans and, and all these guys who have flamed out elsewhere. It's going to be incredibly difficult to to make that work this year, even, and I thought Salah had a really good game last weekend as well, actually, who as a defensive coordinator, I've been unsure on him. He's obviously very bombastic and, you know, makes a lot of noise on the sideline, but his one good season, he happened to have the most talented defense in the NFL that season. So that always puts doubt in my mind about how much it's scheme and how much it's just pure talent. Um, So the pass rush is a problem as far as I'm concerned. What I, what I want to see as a fan is, us establish a lead early like we did against the Rams I think we can hold on to a lead I think we can run the ball well enough if it's a tight game and it also forces Cam to throw which I mean maybe they figure it out this week but I thought like the Inkeel Harry pass right at the end of the game and Cam Newton semi throwing him under the bus for it by saying you know that's a read where the corner and the the quarterback have to read uh, the sorry the wide receiver and the quarterback have to read the corner doing the same thing and we didn't 
basically saying I thought Harry should have broken out and I threw it there in anticipation and then he never did break the out route. That's been a problem for Harry all year and that communication just doesn't appear to be coming. Maybe it does this week. Maybe suddenly the tight ends and Julian Edelman break out. But if we can force a game where Cam has to throw it 30, 40 times, then I feel good about it. If we let you run the ball and we keep the game tight, then I fear that Belichick and the coaching will um, will kill us off. Mm, I actually agree that Harry did. He's running in instead of an out that he was supposed to do, and that was what happened. But, you know, it's by the by. The game's passed. We lost, and... Uh, we move on to this week against the 49ers and, you know, fingers crossed for us that it's a win and obviously you'll have your fingers and toes crossed and uh, the the 49ers come away with the win. And I think uh, my aforementioned friend, Stephen in Nottingham, he's a 49ers fan. So if possible, we're going to do the same as what we do most Sundays and get on Skype or Zoom and uh, watch it together, just like you and your friend did uh, this, this past week. Um, so... Uh, Overall, I think we'll agree that it's an, an intriguing game and um, before or after COVID or whatever might come is um, definitely it's it was one of the ones I was looking forward to, not not just because of my friend, but he was obviously for Super Bowl um, finalists last year and um, when the schedule comes out and you've got the 49ers on it, it's a, pin, a game that you pinpoint that you sit down and watch and not just you know catch the box score later on. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm definitely intrigued by this weekend and it's a um, yeah, huge game for both sides, really. I'm absolutely desperate for the early games to get done so that we can finish the TalkSport 2 show nice and early and I can be ready and willing to watch the game every single down, every single snap, uh, fully locked in. It's going to be, it's one of those rare ones, even when the 49ers are playing in the late window, which they do obviously regularly because of being a West Coast team. My general approach to it is um, 49ers on my laptop, but keep red zone on my main screen. I think I'll actually watch Niners Patriots on the big screen and not even pay attention to red zone this weekend because I'm, I'm so intrigued about it. Uh, does it mean that I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, it's a, it's a matchup that I always find difficult to get, you know, too hyped about, but yeah, it's, it's, the best I've felt going into anything involving the Patriots in a while. Well, for, yeah, as I say, I, I I think I'm going to do the same as you actually, um, and uh, we'll we'll watch the the game in full and have the the iPad with red zone, but probably not even realise what's going on and and the peripheral vision. But um, I'm conscious of the the time, well, so I'm going to let you you go. And I uh, want to thank you very much for sparing the time and coming on the podcast. It, it has been an absolute pleasure and a blast. And But just before you say cheerio to everyone, um, where can they find you on the socials and, and the like? Uh, I'm at Will Gav, no Gavin, because the guy who's got Will Gavin is sitting on it and not using it. And I've tried to contact him and tried to get it off him, but it's not happened. So uh, not that I think I should have it, but if you're not going to use it, let me have it. Uh, so at Will Gav on twitter and instagram uh, you can find all the gridiron stuff there as well at gridiron at uk gridiron uh and uh yeah and then check us out on Talksport 2 every sunday night like i i really like the show that we're putting together this weekend we've got carlson back in the studio with nat with me as well so that's always a fun time if an interesting time uh and uh yeah just Give, give that a shot. If people like the NFL, whether you can't be in front of red zone or even if you can be and you just want to hear a, a differing view on it, if 
Scott Hansen bellowing at you for first seven hours starts to tire. Let me bellow at you instead. Definitely. It's always when I when I'm walking the dogs on a Sunday night, um, I always have you guys on. So I wholeheartedly recommend that you check out TalkSport 2 with Will and Nat and the guys as well. And once again, thanks very much, Will, for sparing the time. And we'll maybe chat again soon. Thank you. Sounds good, buddy. Really appreciate it. Anytime. You've heard one guest, you've probably looked at the actual pod info and seen who the other one is, but he deserves his own introduction as the boss of myself, as part of the writing team on NFLScotland.com and one half of the the founders along with his co-host Paul Mitchell. It is Cameron Hobbs. How's it going, Cameron? Yeah, good. Thank you for having me. I've not been called the boss in a long time, so I'll, uh, I'll embrace that fully. All for that. Keep it coming. Well, uh, I won't tell you that I haven't managed to finish my article just yet. I'll just keep that <laughs> so, obviously, we've got the game coming up at the weekend. Um, for anyone that's not listened to the NFL Scotland podcast, go as quick as you can, as soon as you've finished listening to this one, and listen to episodes of the NFL Scotland podcast and check out nflscotland.com, as I say, because I write on it. And Cameron does a great job um, with the guys, keeping us all in check and all the rest of it. Um, but apart from that, He's a 49ers fan, and that's why we've got him on this week, to chat some 49ers. However, before we get into that, with all guests, we like to get a little bit of background on themselves. Um, So, main thing really, how did you get into the NFL, and what started the podcast and things? So, getting into the NFL, uh, like many people of my generation, uh, and looking at us across Zoom, I'm a generation above you, I think, Matt. Maybe two, uh, depends on how you count it. um, Just a few years in front of me, I think, yeah. (laughs) The the, the 1980s was when I started watching, and it was Channel 4. Uh, Like many people, I kind of watched not really understanding what was going on. I used to have to set the video player to record it overnight. My sister went and worked with some family friends in Dallas when I was eight years old. She was 18, I was eight. So we're talking right at the end of the 80s here. Um, And she came back with some Dallas Cowboys stuff. And at that point, I was like, all right, okay, I'll be a Dallas Cowboys fan because why not? Because like many people, you you support the team from which you got holiday tat. Um, There's many people whose stories begin with a random Dan Marino jersey and they've been forever more a Dolphins fan. So I was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Watched for a while, really enjoyed it. There was a, you know, the Super Bowl was always something that I made a point to watch. Enjoyed the NBA at that point as well when it was on Channel 4, which was great. So I got loads of American support, but it was always on VHS because you had to tape it overnight. I lost touch with it when it got to, when I went to Sky Sports. I've, I never had Sky. We never had Sky when I was young. Um, I never, you know, through my poor student days and poor early working days, just could never afford Sky. So never, ever really watched it. And then it was 2012, I think, 2011, 2012, I can't remember now exactly. Uh, it's the Jerome Simpson touchdown for the Bengals against the Cardinals, where he does a standing flip over the defender and lands in the end zone touchdown. That was on on Christmas Eve. I was in a pub in Beebles, um, of all places, because that's where my parents are. Um, I was the designated driver. I was stone cold sober, and everyone else was absolutely, I don't know if this is a family show, so I'll keep it clean. They were quite drunk. They were gazeboed, if you've watched particular (laughs) comedians and jokes about stuff like that. Um, 
So I was sitting there, not engaging in the chat because it was terrible. Uh, and the NFL was on in the background. I saw this touchdown. And at that point, I thought, you know what? I need to get back into the NFL. I've, I've really missed it. And at that point, that was it. I got hooked right back into it. Um, fast forward, and now all my mates, none of them were into NFL before. They're now all into NFL. We play fantasy football. Our league's going, it's currently in its, well, let me think about this. I think this is year seven um, of the, the fantasy league. I've never won it. I've always made the playoffs. I've gone out in week 15 every year bar one, made it to the final once, um, didn't win it. So that has evaded me so far. But, you know, NFL has become a massive part. As for the podcast, uh, something that I've always been interested in, used to do radio, used to work for Fourth, uh, did some stuff with Spartans on the Tannoy and things like that. So it's something I've always been interested in. Saw Paul Mitchell at an event at one of the NFL UK events that they had in Edinburgh. I was like, oh, Paul Mitchell's a, an NFL fan. Didn't know that. So through working with Fourth, I got to meet Paul a couple of times and had a chat to him. Uh, ended up going through to an event in Glasgow. And at that event, I just turned to him and said, you know, we should do a podcast. Kind of as a bit of a throwaway comment. And he went, that's a great idea. And genuinely, that's how it was born. That's where it came from. We went and did a podcast the following week. Um, we, we rented out an office in the middle of Edinburgh. We got Jamie Borthwick, who we both knew. He came along. We knew he was a Giants fan. So we got him involved. We sat in a really echoey office room with a really basic bit of kit and recorded some absolute nonsense and put it as a podcast. We got really good response to it. Uh, and it's kind of grown from there. So yeah, it's been a it's been a journey. We have just um, recorded episode one hundred and twenty, which we're recording this on the Thursday. It's going out on the Friday morning. So you know, I never thought when I started I'd be up to episode one hundred and twenty. So you know, delighted with how it's gone so far. No, definitely. Um, as you know, I thoroughly enjoy it, and otherwise I wouldn't be doing some writing bits and pieces for you guys. Um, listen to it for two years, I think ish. Um, so I think I joined about episode 30 odd. I think that was when I got into, uh, when I found you guys. And um, initially it was, that, that's the, that sounds familiar. That That's the guy from the telly, um, obviously being Paul and all the commentaries yeah. he's okay. done over the years. And now even more so, I think in the past week, I've listened to his voice about four times between the various matches I've been listening to um, <laughs> when he's been on. And it's the same uh, for a, Spoiler alert um, for everyone, Will Gavin's the other um, guest on the pod this week. Um, I listen to him numerous times a week as well through the Gridiron Show and listen to TalkSport and everything as well. So, no, it's um, it's great to hear you guys every week. And, you know, we from small acorns grow big trees, as they say. Um, you've certainly done that. And I think your live events and things have certainly pushed that forward as well. And obviously now the, the website kicking in with everyone wanting to be part of it and so again if anyone's not checked it out please go check out NFL Scotland podcast um it's something different isn't it Cameron it's just because it's you you take that Scottish slant on it and but not even because of that just you yourself and Paul you offer something different you know you talk about the commentary teams and things like that that generally not people do they'll just talk schematics and coaching and whatever and it can get a bit repetitive depending on how many podcasts you listen to. And I hold my hands up and I listen to quite a few a week and you hear the same regurgitations and it's something that myself and Jake with this one, we try and avoid as well. And um, where possible, you know, I'll, especially after a game, I'll try not to listen to anything until we've said our piece because then otherwise you're just, as I say, you're regurgitating stuff. So I, I um, enjoy you guys and 
That's part of the reason I got you on, but also 49ers. So speaking of 49ers, how have you seen the season to date? It seemed, it's a bit up and down. Do you put that down to injuries or is there something a bit different that's not quite clicking, do you think? It was always going to take a step back this year. I think that to go back to a Super Bowl is hard, especially when you've just lost that Super Bowl. You know, statistics and history tell us that that doesn't tend to happen all that often. Patriots aside, you guys have been unique over the last sort of 15, 20 years. But really, for the most part, teams don't tend to repeat and go straight back. It was always going to be hard. DeForest Buckner going away was always a hard one. Um, obviously, we brought some some good players in. You know, Joe Staley stepping back is another big one. We brought in Trent Williams, but I guess that's always hard. Trent's a great player, but Joe Staley was so long in that offensive line. He was a massive part to it. He was a great leader of the team. That was a really difficult one for us to place uh, to replace. We brought in Kinlaw, which I thought was a really interesting pickup out of the draft. But that's a young player that's coming in to replace a very disruptive DeForest Buckner. But, you know, th- th- this is one of the ones amongst the 49ers fans that people are discussing. You know, we kept Armstead and got rid of the, uh, yeah, DeForest. Um, I think that had to be the way it was going to be because we needed the money to invest elsewhere. George Kittle has got a massive contract. He deserves every penny of it. If I could give him more of my own money to make him stay, (laughs) absolutely. I want that man to be a 49er for his entire life. Uh, He is absolutely sensational. And then, you know, someone like Javon Kinlaw was highly rated, fell a bit in the draft. um, And I think that we got a really good pickup there. And he's a player that can continue to develop. The injuries have absolutely done us. Now, Opening weekend, we lost to the Cardinals, and it was a disappointing start. It was a bit sluggish and just not quite right. We didn't have Debo Samuel right away, so that was a big loss. He, you know, We don't have a standout wide receiver one, but he, he is our wide receiver one. He wasn't there, um, and th- I think that showed at points. We just looked a little bit lackluster against uh, a Cardinals team that really had the wind uh, in their sails, uh, and I thought that they were, they were very good. So, fine. On from that, we then went to New York for two weeks. Um, and that was where really the disaster of the season came about because all everybody got injured. You know, we lost everybody. And mm-hmm. it's been, it's just, it continues. Even this week, we've got Quan Alexander, Raheem Mostert, uh, Jaquiski Tar, and Trent Williams are not practicing fully this week. Uh, in fact, they've not practiced at all, I don't think. You know, limited, we've got Jeff Wilson, who's the running back that's been coming in to step up for um, Mostert. So there's another one down. So we're down to Jim, uh, Jarek McKinnon and Jim Michael Hasty. So, you know, the, we've had to go to the practice squad a couple of times and it's been, it's been half decent at times and it's been utterly shambolic at others. Uh, the Dolphins game being the perfect example of where it went horribly wrong. But somehow we find ourselves at 3-3. Three and three. And actually that win over the Rams was decent. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo looks slightly better. He's a game manager rather than a sensational gun-slinging quarterback. And he looked as though he'd kind of bounced back from that Dolphins defeat, which is exactly what you wanted to see. I don't think he was 100% in that Dolphins game, but those Dolphins, they came to play. And we just didn't. So this it feels bad saying this it's a bit of a write-off of a season i think that the the nfc west is far too competitive a division for us to get away with bad defeats and hope to progress you know you look at the the situation you've got two four and two teams in there and you've got the undefeated seahawks so we're already at the bottom of the pile and we've got a, a three and three season we'd be winning the nfc east would be winning with some room to breathe. But that's the division that we're in. And therefore, 
the season's always going to be a challenge because of those injuries, because over the duration of the matches ahead, I, I don't see us getting enough wins out of it to, to realistically progress into the postseason. Yeah, it's a, a fair assessment of the season so far, Cameron. Um, it's the Dolphins game was a, a huge anomaly. It wasn't really, you know, as you say, myself and uh, my friend Stephen, who's a 49ers fan, we sat and we were watching um, most Sundays. We'll sit and watch Red Zone just now, and we was kind of watching that one. It was we both said at the time, it was like he's not ready to come back. You could tell he wasn't ready. He was then, you know, on a foot, off a foot, on a foot, off a foot, um, just not getting into the rhythm. He shouldn't have been in the game. But it's not even to say that, you know, having Bethard um, or um, whoever in there would have actually made much of a difference possibly. It just seemed to be that Fitzpatrick took quite a hot streak in that game and, you know, it is what it is and you move on. But... then you come up against the Rams this past week and you you beat them. I, I wasn't expecting it, I must be honest. But, you know, you beat them, it then gives you a bit of hope for possibly them, what's to come in the season ahead. And then you come up against the Patriots and then, you know, the schedule that you've got in the next few weeks after that just puts you in a, puts you in a bit of a hole, really, <laughs> in a way. But with the actual with the Patriots game itself, um, it's one I'm really looking forward to and really intrigued to watch. And I said this my, um, myself and Will said we'll probably actually rather we'll flip it and have the games on the well the main game you know the the Patriots game on and Red Zone on the iPad or something like that. I I just messaged my mate earlier on and says I think I'll actually just go for uh, the game of the day you know, right through with the Steelers beforehand and then us afterwards. Is, do you think, looking at the, the Patriots for a second, do you, do you think the game against the Broncos was a bit of an anomaly, but in the not obviously not in the same way as the Dolphins one was, but do you think there was something there that, you know, the two weeks not practising had a, had a huge effect on it? It must have done. It was, would you have expected them to win otherwise if they'd had a full week of practice? Yeah, and I mean, I think I went into that game expecting them to win. You just never know. The Titans surprised me at how good they looked against the Bills, having gone through the COVID issues that they had. Um, The Patriots felt like they maybe didn't come away from it quite as well. But it's it's a hard one. You know, the Patriots are going through a lot of change at the moment. Um, You can't change your quarterback and expect to just continue in the same groove that you were in. Um, And I think that that's one, you know, the way that Cam plays, you live and breathe by his performances so much in the sense that if he has a bad game, there's a solid chance you're not going to win the game. Um, I think the Patriots' defense did what they needed to do. And you can see that by the fact that they limited the you know, the Broncos to, to field goals. And actually, I gave, um, you know, spoiler alert for anyone that does go and listen to the NFL Scotland podcast, but one of the belters for the week for me was Brian McManus because of just all the points he scored. And he was, at, you know, he was brilliant. He did everything that needed to do, carried that team all the way through it. Um, it's, it, was a, it was an anomaly of a result, but I guess if you look at it over the 
season. Um, you look at a couple of the ones that have come in. Obviously, defeat to the Broncos is a tough one to take. The defeat to the Chiefs is no massive surprise, right? There is nothing bad in yeah. that, um, especially with the change that's going on. You, you beat the Raiders, who we've seen beat the Chiefs. So, you know, there's a weird little anomaly going on with the, the Las Vegas Raiders. And you had a narrow defeat to the Seahawks, really, in what was a sort of to-and-fro game. Now, the Seahawks are 5-0, and and we were talking about this earlier on. Actually, the Seahawks have been slightly fortunate, I think, with their schedule in that a lot of the teams that they've faced are traditionally teams that are difficult, but none of those teams are having particularly great seasons. So, you know, if you look at them all, um, and actually, the Patriots is probably the toughest game that the Seahawks have had. Um, so it's going to be interesting for me this week, watching the Seahawks-Cardinals, which I've seen has just been flexed out to the yeah, late game on um, aye, Sunday Night Football. Part of that is because, as well, the Raiders apparently have major issues with COVID this week. Their entire offensive line is currently not training because they're, they're all having to self-isolate. So there's going to be questions about whether that game's even going to survive or not. Um, so, uh, yes, I think that you can say that the Broncos game was an anomaly. One of those games, it just didn't work. Cam couldn't get it going. Um, obviously, you've got uh, the Patriots have got a number of players on the COVID list as well. I think losing that Sony Michelle is a big loss. I think he's a he's a threat. And the one thing that Cam needs Cam needs somebody that he can hand the ball off to that's going to get yards. I think that James White is more a receiving back than a running back, and I think that Harris just didn't quite get it going. That Broncos defense as well is not terrible. So you know it was always going to be a tough game. I think up against the Niners, you're going to face a similar sort of scenario in that the defense isn't brilliant, but I think it's decent. Uh, it's certainly the front seven. Um, we've got problems in the secondary. And I think actually if, to beat the Niners and do it convincingly, you're going to have to go over the top and Cam's going to have to use his arm more than he uses his legs. I'm not saying he can't win by using his legs. I just think the chance of success is greater if he can find that arm over the top and find his receivers. That's going to be the, the, the difference in this one. And I, I think that the Niners are going to have to do something very similar because I think the run game is just not going to be there this week. There's going to be a dependency on Jimmy's arm. Um, and I think actually this is going to come down to which of these two quarterbacks, where actually their arm isn't necessarily their strong point, is it going to be... Um, that's going to come through. Now, when I say Jimmy's arm's not his strong point, it's certainly no running either. But what I mean by that is he's not a, he's not a guy that's going to burn you over the top all day long. You know, the, the way that the Niners play is all about clever plays. It's all about trickery and things like that. And I think actually the interesting battle here is between the quarterbacks, is between the defenses, but it's also between the head coaches. I think that Belichick's the best. Absolutely. And I think that Shanahan's very clever. I think when it comes up to drawing plays, he's one of the best. So I think there'll be a real interesting strategic matchup in this one that's going to be worth watching. Mm, definitely. And the, what you were just as you were talking there, I was thinking about that um, what you were saying about the, the front seven of the Niners. Um, they are, for me, they're better than the back end of the defence. Um, and as you say, the if Newton can get his arm going and target that back end, it should make a huge difference. And part of the that might actually help him get there is we've got a restructured line this week from last week um, against the Broncos. We're, we're going to have a more solid line. And that, for me, is going to be, um, you know, what we're going to be looking for. Well, for, for me, anyway, that's what we're going to look at this week. I'm going to have a keen eye on that line. Because the 
the front line of the Patriots coming up against that front line of the defence of the Niners is going to be huge. And I think the, the game can be pretty much won and lost there. Because one of the things with Cam from last week was he just held on for too long. And if you're coming up against Josie Joe and, and uh, Bradley Chubb and you know, you've got the safeties blitzing like they did, he is he's a goner. And that's why, you know, between turnovers and interceptions and and just general crap play. Um he just wasn't at the races. And then that kind of maybe comes down to um what you were saying about the actual game itself lives and dies by his sword effectively. And it's maybe a reason why the Panthers ultimately got rid of him, apart from the supposed bad attitude that he has. Yeah, and I think that do you know what if you look at the even look at the numbers that Newton's done so far this season, right? Uh, and the four games that he's played, you know, he's thrown for two touchdowns. He's ran in five himself. Um but two touchdowns, four interceptions, nine sacks out of four games are not great numbers. Um, and I think that, you know, he needs to focus on that throwing touchdown. I think that in Carolina, there was a, it became the cam show. And I guess in New England, the one thing it never was, was the Brady show. It really wasn't like it was because he was just dominant, but he was distributing that ball all around. It was a, a Patriots team that was dominant. It wasn't about one quarterback that could beat you on the ground. Um, and Cam can beat any team on the ground. He doesn't need to prove that to anybody. For me, he needs to show that he's still got his arm. He needs to find uh, chemistry with his receivers. And, you know, you look at someone like Julian Edelman, who has been so dominant for so long. And actually, he's not, you know, he's not had a terrible year by any stretch of the imagination. Out of the five games, 300 yards, yet to score a touchdown, um, which is, I guess, the one surprising element. Um, and the, you know, the, only, the only people to receive um, touchdowns so far are in Keel Harry, fine, Rex Barkhead, all right, uh, and Jacob Johnson. So, you know, that's not exactly the list of names you're used to seeing on the Patriot touchdown scorer list. So, you know, there, there's definitely some issues around the wide receiver depth there, I think, that probably need to be addressed a little bit. And I wonder whether there's any activity uh, happens for the Patriots, but yeah, Cam. If Cam can find a groove with these receivers and he can get over the top of that front seven and expose the secondary, then I think the Patriots definitely win this game. I think that if he isn't able to do that, then the Niners have a chance. For me, the Patriots are the favourites going into this, but that's me as a negative 49er. What can I say? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that the there's enough talent on both of these teams that they can win this. I just think we're so, the Niners are so banged up at the moment that there's so many gaps. There's so many things that aren't being, that aren't as they are standard. Uh, and think that's, that's where the opportunity comes to find gaps and find holes and find weaknesses. But if running the ball isn't working on the day, he's going to have to be able to go to his arm. Mm. And speaking about weaknesses and finding that chink of light through the armor to that it, I think it's going to come down to that. It's going to be a close, tight game, and there's just going to need to be something that a spark from someone or something that makes that difference. And someone that Belichick picked out in his press conference at the start of the week is um, George Kittle. You can't talk about the 49ers without talking about George Kittle. For me, the best tight end in the league. Um, He is just that difference maker. There's him, and then also you spoke about it, the, the trickery, the, the Kyle Shanahan playbook can 
you know, be open up to a vast array of things between movement and and all sorts that just, you know, your eye goes one way, but the player's gone. You see you later, you know, whether it's being Debo Samuel, whether it comes that it's Jeff Wilson this weekend or whoever it might be. Do you think that's the two areas, if we look at the 49ers for a minute, that offensively out with Jimmy G, that's where yourself as a, a fan and analyst that you'd be looking for is the running game and Kittle and possibly Ayuk and Samuel coming into play as well. So I think normally the running game would be where I would be looking at, you know, from a Patriots point of view, you're looking at the run game and going, right, we need to find a way to stop this. I think if most starts missing, which it looks as though he's definitely going to be, I think that there's a big step down in the quality in the run game. If the only running backs are Jerick McKinnon and Jermichael Hasty. Now, Jermichael Hasty, we don't know much about him. Undrafted free agent, so, you know, wait to see. There's a lot of hype about him. There's a lot of people saying he's one of the better undrafted free agents, but... Fine. There's a reason he wasn't picked up in the draft, and therefore it means that some of that talent might well be raw. So you're then leaning a lot on Jarek McKinnon. Now, we've seen Debo Samuel be utilized in the running game out the back, you know, in some of those uh, sort of trickier plays. I think that uh, Brandon Ayuk can do something very similar. And I think the one thing about the, the 49ers receiving quarters, they are very mobile. So there's a bit of trickery can be done there. Kittle is a massive player, um, and I think that he will be a contributing factor towards success. For me, actually, I think, um, you know, I talked about Cam and what Cam needs to do to win the game. But actually, the, the Patriots' defense remains good enough to win this game themselves. Um, I think that it's still one of the best defenses in the NFL, in spite of what felt like so many players sort of opting out before the season started. Um, actually they've maintained a really high level of performance. And I think, you know, the Seahawks game aside, there's never been any, yeah, there's never been any game where it's been an absolute doing. Even, you know, losing 26 points to the Chiefs isn't a horrific score. That's not a doing. That's just the Chiefs having a a good day. But the Patriots were able to restrict them. Um, We've seen how high scoring the, the Raiders can be and actually held them to 20 points as well. So, the defense is formidable, and the defense remains a talent. You know, Stefan Gilmore, one of the best in the business. You've got the two McCourtney brothers as well, who are absolutely superb. I think Adrian Phelps has had a really good start to the season. Jonathan Jones has done really well. So the secondary actually is brilliant in New England. So for me, that's where the worry is. That secondary is a concern. If I'm a Niners fan, I'm thinking, right, the run game's going to struggle because we're missing so many pieces. If you know, Trent Williams is missing as well in the offensive line. That's a problem because you're not going to have as much protection for the quarterback. You're not going to be able to create those lanes that you want to create. So you're going to have to lean more and more on Jimmy G, getting that ball out quickly, finding his receivers. Well, he's going to have to do that against one of the best secondaries in the game. That rings alarm bells all over the place. And it's the type of game where if the head goes down like it did against the Dolphins and all it takes is a couple of picks couple of those picks to turn into pick sixes and right away we could be on the back foot chasing the game that's exactly where we don't want to be I don't think we're a great team when we're up against it I think we're a team that likes to get in front and as long as we can stay in front we're hard to beat we're not good at chasing games and I think that that is where the problem was going to come so if I had to pin you down give you a waterboard of submission what do you think you'd be looking at as a scoreline for the, the weekend? 
So it's interesting, you know, and you look at the spread on this. The bookies have this as a spread of minus two and a half in favor of the Patriots. I don't think it'll be quite as close as that, but I don't think it'll be astronomical. I have the the Patriots to win this by more than five. Um, I think that there's enough there out of that Patriots team, and particularly out of that defense, to, to keep us quiet on offense. And I think that it might be low scoring. I don't think it'll be a, an end-to-end thriller. Um, caveat to that is, unless Cam finds his groove. If he finds his arm, then I think it could be quite uh, quite heavy scoring against us, just purely because the secondary is so banged up. The secondary is it's not great anyway, and it's banged up. So if he can get over that front seven uh, and he finds a way to expose us at the back, then you know the, the Patriots could have a day. Uh, but I have Patriots winning by five. Or Fair enough. Yeah, that that would that kind of goes along with my thinking. I think, and uh, but regardless of of who wins, um, you know, for the neutral, I think it's going to be a great game, and it's why it's the feature game on Sky this week. And um, there's a lot of talk about, you know, which we would and would be inevitable this week. The the backstories with Jimmy G, and should we have traded him away, and all the rest that comes with it, and. Uh, as I say, it was inevitable it was going to happen. But for a neutral, for myself and for you and for any other Patriots and 49ers fans listening, it's going to be a great game. And I, for one, can't wait for it myself. It's one of the ones at the start of the season on the schedule, and partly because I've got friends who are Niners fans, including yourself, um, that, you know, the, it's the same as when you go through the soccer list of the fixtures. You look for the ones at Christmas, you look for the derbies, all the rest of it. This is one I pinpointed and going, ah, we've got the 49ers this year. That's one I'm definitely sitting down and watching. And as I said, said earlier on, definitely Red Zone will be parked on the tablet, probably won't even look at it, and it'll just be three hours of solid football between the Patriots and 49ers. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait for Sunday, and I'm assuming you're the same. Yeah, I, I mean, I look forward to Sunday anyway. You know, I've yet to decide whether I'm going to sit and watch the whole game or keep on red zone. But looking at the other fixtures, I might well sit and watch the whole thing and digest every second of it. You know, it's it's funny as well. This is only the 14th time that the two teams have come head to head, um, which, you know, it's, it's a fixture that doesn't come up all that often. Uh, and, you know, you look at the history as well, recent history out of the last five, the, the Patriots have won four of them. We've only won one. Before that, the previous, we'd been on a running streak of, I think it was six wins in a row. Um, one defeat back in 75, and then uh, the Niners won the first ever one. So, you know, the, the two sides don't meet all that often. Um, and therefore, it's, a, it's quite a rare treat to, to sit down and watch this one. So, uh, yeah, Niners lead the series eight and five overall. Uh, so we'll still have a winning record head-to-head, no matter what comes. So we'll grab on to that. <laughs> And we still can. Um, but yeah, and total points scored. Here you go. 322 to the Niners, 262 to the Patriots. Let's see what that tally looks like at the end of this as well. Um, and you do realize as well that if the Patriots win, I'm going to absolutely sabotage your article that you submit for the website next week. Yeah. I'm going to change yep. all the words. Rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> yep. I see that coming a mile off. <laughs> Well, the, and thanks very much for your time, Cameron. Um, it's much appreciated. Um, but before you go, I just want to give you a chance to, I've probably plugged you enough, but I want you to plug it again. So um, take it away. Where can everyone catch you on Twitter and the website and the podcast and, the, and everything else? 
Absolutely. So Twitter at Scotland NFL on Facebook, search for NFL Scotland. Look for the NFL Scotland podcast on Google. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. We're on all the usual places. We're on Podbean. But you can just search for the NFL Scotland podcast and go to nflscotland.com. We're trying to do things different. Like you say, we're trying to just add a slightly Scottish slant. We're trying to build a community of people that can just get together in Scotland and talk about American football. We can be quite a disparate bunch. And at the moment, it's bloody grim because we're all stuck in our houses. We'd rather be in the pub and we kind of do it. So do you know what? Let's just get together. Let's uh, chat about American football. Uh, we love to get people engaging with us. You know, we're, we're active on Twitter. We love to hear what people have got to say. And through the website, we're trying to get some, you know, exciting Scottish writers like yourselves, people that love talking and writing about American football to just build up this website. So folks, you know, that over was time, two we very special guests, Cameron Holmes and Will Gavin, articles every one of NFLScotland.com um, and it's about building the numbers up, getting some consistency and the Gridiron Magazine. We'll so go, go check out all the links in Twitter. So, yeah, I appreciate the guys, being on the pod. Um, uh, anytime you want there, me, everyone, just give me a shout. Um, the These games don't come up often, but if you ever just before we wrap up, folks, just the usual rate, review and subscribe. Please, please, please drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from if you can Perfect, leave a rating um, at Pat's Chat UK is Twitter for the pod at, Pat, at Pat's Chat UK is also the Instagram for the pod and um, we are starting to get a bit more active on there Jake has been doing some more stuff in the background that you'll start seeing over the next week or two and just going forth towards Christmas and the end of the, the regular season and hopefully into the playoffs for us so at Pat's Chat UK for both the Twitter and Instagram, at Matt Dinkster for myself, at Jake Paul Design for Jake. And we'll probably hear from Jake after the game on Sunday, no doubt. But until then, folks, enjoy your Sunday, enjoy your extra hour of sleep this weekend. But until next time, speak to you soon. See ya.